You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. sure that if God said and chooses you to be martyred into the kingdom, you would be more than prepared. You would be more than prepared. Sometimes dying for him means I have to swallow my pride and say, I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? Sometimes dying for him means I have to do whatever he might ask me to do. See, God has asked one thing and one thing alone of us. Very simple. God has asked us just one thing. Be faithful. God desires for you to be faithful to Him. In today's message from Pastor Dave, he teaches you about dying to the Lord daily. Every day we have a choice in whom we're going to serve. Either we're going to serve the Lord or we're going to serve the things of this world. The Bible says to pick up your cross daily and follow after God. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 7 as he continues his message, Stephen the Martyr. You are We find out in verse 55 through 56 that Stephen has a coronation. Stephen has a coronation. Bear with me here. In verse 55 and 56 it says, But he, Stephen, being full Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Wow. When Stephen gazed into heaven, he saw Jesus standing there standing there, ready to receive him. And if you look at Revelation 2, verse 10, when Jesus spoke to the church in Smyrna, Smyrna, excuse me, Smyrna, he said, do not fear those which you are about to, things you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you be tested and will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you a crown of life. Stephen is going to receive his crown He's going to a coronation. It's his coronation. He's going to receive a crown of glory because of his faithfulness. He's going to be raised up by God. God is going to receive him. He looks up there, and he sees Jesus standing there. And there's two different words for crown in the Old Testament in the Greek. One of them is described as a crown that a king would wear, a crown of royalty. The other crown, interestingly enough, they used the word stephanos which is where we get the name Stephen for a crown. This crown is given as a trophy to an athlete. This crown is given as one who would receive something that they've earned in a trophy or in a race or in an athletic event. Jesus tells this church in Revelation, you're winners and you deserve a trophy. You're my winners and you deserve a trophy for your faithfulness. And this is what Jesus is looking at Stephen and has his arms open wide. An interesting aside here that Stephanos is also the crown worn at marriages and special celebrations. And here you get a picture of Jesus and his bride, the church, each wearing crowns in this marriage ceremony as Jesus comes for his bride. See, the crown Stephen receives is a crown without cares. There are no rivals to this crown. There's no envy in this crown, and it has no end. 
The kingly crown, the worldly crown is heavy. And it's full of cares, the cares of the world. And you have to worry about it when it's on your head. And eventually when you wear it long enough, guess what? You get a headache. It bears you down. Are you longing for that crown? Are you longing for the crown of glory? A crown for faithfulness? Are you longing for Christ to welcome you into heaven? For Christ to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Well done because of your faithfulness? Is that the crown you're striving for? It's interesting to note Christ's position in all this. It clearly says that he is standing. When Christ ascended into heaven, what did he do? He sat down at the throne of God. He sat down on the right hand of God. What an interesting picture. Christ is sitting in the seat of glory. He's seated on the throne of God, but then he stands to greet a saint, to welcome a saint home, to welcome a saint in. What a glorious picture we have. What a glorious picture we have of Christ coming here. Is this what he meant when he was talking in Luke 12, verse 8, when he said, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, will also confess before the angels of God. Is this what he's doing? Is he confessing now by standing and saying, this is him. This is my saint. Welcome him, folks. Welcome him. This is my beloved. Welcome him. Is that what he's doing? What a glorious picture we have. What a glorious picture I see here of what's awaiting us, of what we can receive, a crown. And as I was studying this, and as I was reading through this, all of a sudden I got a picture of the Olympics. I got a picture of the Olympics, you know, and they have the medal ceremony, and a third place guy comes out and stands, or woman, and she stands there, and then the second place person stands there, and then the winner, woo, winner comes up, you know, and they always have a dignitary, somebody really special, giving out the medals. Oh, yeah, put the medals on, you know, wonderful. Well, in this instant, Jesus is the one giving out the medals. Jesus is the one giving out the crowns. We're being crowned in a crown of life by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. What a wonderful picture we have here. And guess what, folks? There's no second and third places. We're all winners. You ever want to be on the winning team? You made it. Woohoo! We're winners. We're all winners. We've received the crown of glory for the faithfulness. Jesus puts it around our neck and says, well done, good and faithful servant. And I can liken that because, you know, many, many times, many times, Paul likens our faith and our, the, the life that we have as a race. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may receive it. Run so you can receive it. And again in Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What is the race? It's a race of faith. It's a race that we believe and we run this race of faith. And when we get to the end, Jesus is the presenter of our crown and he gives us a crown, a crown of glory. I can't wait. I can't wait to receive my crown. I can't wait, wait to have him place it on my head. Why? So that I can take it off and throw it at his feet. So I can take my crown off and throw it at his feet and bow down before him. Wow. Are you waiting for that crown? Does that describe your life? Does that describe your life you're now having Christ and everything you're doing? God will be glorified. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. So Stephen's death resulted in coronation. And it resulted in Israel's condemnation. 
It resulted in Israel's condemnation. Look at 57 and 58a. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. This was all the council could stand. They became Popeye. Can't stands no more. It's all I can stands. Can't stands no more. And they got yelling and screaming and hollering. You know, when someone's talking to you and you don't want to listen to them, da, 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 da. you stop your ears and you make loud songs. Well, that's where they were. They were so angry at Stephen for saying the things he said. Their hearts were so hardened to God and what God wanted to do. Him. They wanted to do the unthinkable. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. When we harden our hearts to God's word, we can do the unthinkable. Never think you cannot. When you harden your heart to God's word, the flesh is capable of anything. Council couldn't stand it any longer. We can no longer listen to this doctrine. We can no longer take this message of grace. We just want it to stop any way we can. It's interesting here because Israel tried to silence God when they allowed John the Baptist to be killed. Then the same council, remember Caiaphas, we talked about this, this exact same council pleaded Pilate for his crucifixion, for Jesus' crucifixion. And now this very council is stoning Stephen. They're putting him to death. It's interesting that when they allowed Herod to kill John, they sinned against God the Father because it was God who sent John the Baptist. Jesus speaks of this in his parable of the two sons in Matthew 21, 23 to 32. Likewise, when the council asked Pilate to crucify Christ, they sinned against the Son of God. They sinned against God the Son. Look at Matthew 21, 33 to 46, the parable of the wicked vine dressers. And when they stoned Stephen, Israel sinned against the Holy Spirit who was working in and through the apostles, and this condemned them. They resisted the Holy Spirit. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit condemned them. It, that was their condemnation. So Stephen's death, there was a coronation. There was a condemnation, and it led to the church's liberation. It led to the church's liberation. Up until Stephen's death, the church had mainly witnessed in Jerusalem to the Jews, always to the Jews first. But the stoning of Stephen would change everything. The church would be scattered, and the message of Christ would go with them. They would take the message of Christ into Samaria, into the outermost portions of the world. They would take the message of Christ. So we see that Stephen's stoning and his death was used by the Lord to do what? To further the kingdom of God. Stephen's death was used by the Lord in a mighty, mighty way. And because of his death, it was, the, the, the apostles were scattered. Remember, what, Jesus, what, what was the plan, first of all, of the Holy Spirit? We go all the way back to Acts 1. All the way back to Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, martyrs, to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. The Lord has accomplished His plan in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was saturated with the Word of God. Everyone in Jerusalem knew the Word of God. It was time to move on. He used Stephen's death. He used his stoning to get the church to move out, to get the church to move. God always has a plan. Because of Stephen's witness and, and, and against Israel, their outcry and hatred was so great that people had to flee for their lives. People had to run, and as they ran, they took the Word of God with them. And they became witnesses, which is what we're going to see. Yeah. The enemy thought the gospel would be silenced. The enemy thought, I got it now. We're done here. Stephen, this is through. Now, the apostles were liberated now to go out and do what? Fulfill the great commission that they were given in Matthew 28. Jesus gave them a great permission, go 
And we look in Acts 8.4, next chapter we look at, it says, they went scattered and they went about preaching the word. They did what they were supposed to do. They carried the word of God with them. They carried the word of God with them. So there was a coronation. There was a condemnation. There was a liberation. And finally in Stephen's death, it eventually leads to the grandest thing of all, salvation. It leads to the grandest thing of all, salvation. In 58b it says, And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. If you read in verse 1 in chapter 8, this Saul said he was consenting to the death of Stephen. He was holding her close. He goes, yeah, come on, there's a big rock over there. Let's get this guy, come on. He was consenting to their death, to his death. Of course, Saul of Tarsus is given a writ to go and collect Christians and drag them back to Jerusalem and have them killed, beaten, and tortured. And he's on his way to Damascus as he has an encounter with the one true living God. He has an encounter with the very person that he's persecuting. Jesus Christ meets him on the road, and Paul's life is changed forever. He hears the word of God. He hears the actual voice, and he sees them, and they speak. Paul never forgot Stephen. Paul never forgot what he saw Stephen go through. Because we read in Acts 22, in verse 17 to 21, this is Paul speaking. He says, now when it happened, I returned to Jerusalem, and I was praying in the temple, that I was in a trance and saw him, the Lord, saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by, consenting to his death, guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then Jesus said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Stephen never forgot the witness. He never, ever forgot the witness that Stephen was in his life. He never forgot that. I'm sure there was one person in your life who was a witness who was such a witness of Christ for you that led you to dig deeper, to seek even more about this Jesus that this person was witnessing. See, the Lord never wastes the blood of his saints. The Lord never wastes a drop of blood of his saints. As we said, one day Paul would see the Lord face to face and be changed. He doesn't waste the blood of his saints. I don't know if you know the man named Jim Elliott. He was a, a missionary. He was a missionary to the Akua Indians. And he was killed by these Indians as he, missioned, as he was a missionary to him, preaching the word of God. His wife and the wives of the other missionaries came back to the very place where he was killed. They went into the very village where they, that killed him. They met the very person that speared her husband to death. And Elizabeth Elliot led him to the Lord. And he's now born again. He's a Christian. He's saved. And they took the message of the gospel. And all the Indian villages now are saved. God doesn't let a drop of his blood from the saints go to waste. I'm sure you've heard the testimony. Her name was Rachel Scott. She was 17 years old. She was the very first person killed in the Columbine Massacre. The very first person killed in the Columbine Massacre. She was shot in the leg. She fell under the table. And the killer walked up to her, grabbed her, picked her up by the hair and said, Do you believe in God? She goes, Yes. Boom. And she shot her in the head and killed her. But her father and her mother and the people who loved her travel around the world and they give the testimony of Rachel Scott. They give the testimony of Rachel Scott, how she believed in God and how she was standing up for God when she was killed. And I'm sure that her testimony, the testimony of them, has saved other people and people have brought into the kingdom of God. God doesn't waste a drop of blood of one of his saints. I'm sure, as I stand here before God and before you, I am sure that there were Christians in those towers 
I'm sure there were Christians in those airplanes that day in the Pentagon and on their way in Flight 93. I am sure there were Christians there, and I'm sure some of them survived, and their testimonies have saved thousands. I am sure that that has happened. I've heard of them. God doesn't let a drop of blood from his saints go to waste. God uses everything. He works all things together for good. Yes, even horrible attacks like 9-11. He works together for good. God was there in the midst of that tragedy. And we pray that God would be there in the midst of these commemorative times and that people would see God. Remember the tragedy, yes, but that God would be shown clearly to this land, to this land. God works all things together for good. And when we finish chapter 7, we get to see the final words of Stephen. He's being stoned. Now, I don't know if you know this, but stoning to death is not the greatest way to die. I mean, the bigger the rock, the better. But I'm sure it takes a long, long time for you to die when you are stoned to death. But the last words of Stephen were not words of hate. They were not words of anger. They were not words of condemnation. They were words of grace. They were words of grace and mercy to those who were stoning him. In Acts 59, excuse me, in Acts 7, verses 59 through 60, it says, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died and was whisked away into heaven. His spirit was with the Lord forever. He died. When I looked at this, I can't believe my eyes when I read this. I've read this passage many, many times before. And I looked at this, and something jumped glaring out at me. So many people say that Jesus is not God. So many people say that Jesus has no deity. Where does it say in the Bible that Jesus is God? And you can take them to places like Thomas and other places like that. But in my translation right here, Luke is writing this account, and Luke is saying that Jesus is God by the words of Stephen. Look what it says. It says, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus. Jesus, God, right there, proof in all its clarity. He was calling to God. Clearly, the deity of Christ is written. He's stoned. He's killed. And Jesus receives his spirit. How do we know? Because Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.8, yes, we are confident, yes, we are pleased to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. His spirit went to the Lord immediately and was welcomed by the Lord. Stephen said, receive my spirit. Jesus commended his spirit to the Father on the cross. Commended, here, receive my spirit. Stephen dies as Christ died in the forgiveness of others. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, was the cry of Christ on the cross. Stephen said, Lord, don't hold this charge against them. Don't hold this sin against them. That's how Stephen died. The overflow of God's grace, God's unmerited favor, God's unconditional love flowed, flowed. Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, had the power to live and die as Christ. And he died in Christ's power. He died to do in exactly what God had wanted to do at that time. It was God's will for him that that happened at that time. Listen to what R. Kent Hughes has to say about this. R. Kent Hughes says this about Stephen's death. Stephen lived his last hours as Christ would live. He spoke his last words as Christ would and did. He died as a martyr's death as Christ would and did. He stood tall through the matchless grace of God. If today was our final day, what would others write about you? Was it worth it? Stephen would say yes. Stephen would declare yes 
it was worth it. So Stephen becomes the first Christian martyr, but he's not alone. He is far from being alone in martyrdom. As we read through the list of the apostles themselves, look what happened. James, the apostle John's brother, the son of Devity, was beheaded in 44 A.D., Philip the Apostle was crucified in 54 A.D. Matthew was killed in 60 A.D. James, the brother of Jesus, was beaten to death with a club after being crucified and stoned. Matthias, remember Matthias, chosen to be one of the twelve? He was stoned and beheaded. Andrew, Peter's brother, was crucified. Mark, the writer, John Mark, the writer of the book of Mark, was dragged in the streets of Alexandria, then he was beheaded. Peter, it says, was crucified upside down. The Apostle Paul, we know, was beheaded in Rome. Jude was crucified. Bartholomew was flayed alive and crucified. Thomas was killed by a spear. The author, Luke, was hanged. Simon the Zealot was crucified in 74 AD. Every one of them met the faith of a martyr. Every one of them died because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They even tried to boil the Apostle John, but somehow he lived miraculously. He was the only one that was not martyred. But the martyrdom continues. See, Satan has tried throughout the centuries to thwart God's plan of redemption for man. He has tried throughout the centuries of killing people, being killed in their, in their conquest to overcome this Christian business. This book I was talking about, The Jesus Freaks, they said that in the year 2000, it was estimated that 165,000 Christians worldwide were martyred because of their beliefs, were killed before their beliefs. That was 11 years ago. I looked up on the internet, and the last figure I could find was from 2008 and 2009, and they estimated in that year alone 176,000 Christians were martyred and killed for their faith. Now, God has not called us all to be martyrs in that sense, but He has called us all to be witnesses in that sense. He calls us to be living sacrifices in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. But you know, in some aspects, in some ways, it might be harder to live for Christ than it is to die for Christ. I mean, if somebody came up to me today and said, renounce Christ or I'm going to kill you, I'll probably go kill me. I'll be in heaven. But when I go home and start to deal with my finances, I cry out, oh, Lord, I'm so hurt with these finances. Everything is a mess. I have relationship problems with my kids. I know this doesn't work. But blah, blah, blah. You know what? It's so hard to live for Christ. Dying would be so easy, we think. It's hard to be witnesses for Christ on a day-to-day -day basis. When dying seems so much better. But if we live for Christ, and if we truly live for Christ, if we follow hard after Him, if we seek Him with everything we have, if we study His Word and fellowship with His saints, if we, if we do this in prayer, I'm sure that if God said and chooses you to be martyred in, into the kingdom, you would be more than prepared. You would be more than prepared. Sometimes dying for Him means I have to swallow my pride and say, I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? Sometimes dying for him means I have to do whatever he might ask me to do. See, God has asked one thing and one thing alone of us. It's very simple. God has asked us just one thing. Be faithful. Believe. And scripture that we read says, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. You are Sure hope. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of Acts, an exciting adventure into the beginnings of the Christian church. These first few days, weeks, months, and years of the Christian ministry were filled with much faith and courage. In fact, the very first martyrs were mentioned in this book. It was an interesting time in history for sure, and just like today, some people were eager to hear about Jesus, and others were looking to put those down who follow after him. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about today's message? We'd like to hear about it. Would you give us a call? Let us know how this message has impacted you. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that number is 609-884-5821. If you're in the Cape May area, you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, and we'd like to get to know you and worship God together this weekend. Check out AssureHopeRadio.com to find out service times. Again, that's AssureHopeRadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. Just look for the links at AssureHopeRadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But we hope you'll join us again on the next edition. Pastor Dave will continue on in the book of Acts, helping you understand and appreciate this great book here on Assure Hope.